Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. As I told you, our second guest is Tom Kreckel. He is founder of Full Sail Strategy, and it is a great pleasure to have you to the program. Tom, welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Well, hello, Rick. Let's begin. We're going to talk about business models. I've got some questions that I want to ask you. Maybe before we get into the questions and conversation, give us from your perspective, working with businesses, helping them chart you know, their future. Many businesses are in uncharted waters given the economy and the things that they're dealing with. But talk to us a little bit. Give us a little background about the importance of business models and um, sort of what you're seeing from your role as an advisor to these CEOs and businesses? Certainly. You know, in January, you may recall Kodak filed for bankruptcy. Now, here's an American company, an iconic brand, and you may know that Kodak was actually developed the uh, digital photography patents. And so you you ask yourself when you see cases like that where people are seeing a, uh, a change in technology and changing habits coming at them, why they don't change. I came out of the newspaper industry, and there's a whole industry that saw change coming, but yet was, you know, sort of unable to adapt. And my argument is is that if changes in technology, or in the case of newspapers, just changing habits, threaten business as is, then you ought to have a way to figure out how to find new growth. And and along those uh, lines, there's been a lot of talk in the last number of years about looking at your business model. Uh, The funny thing about business models is there's no one definition of what is a business model. You'll hear people describe it in a lot of different ways, but it really is just, you know, a business model is really just a representation of how a business creates and delivers value, both for the customer and for the company. So, what I think is important is that if change is, is on us, and especially with the, you know, the, the exacerbated by the economy, then how can you start to think about your business in a way where you could find new revenue growth? Because I think most people feel like they're sort of uh, done cutting. They cut everything out as far as expenses, and now they're looking for other ways to increase profitability. Tom, I want to circle back because I, I do want the benefit of your expertise in this area because... The term business model may sound academic. It may sound like something that is discussed in your MBA program. Mm-hmm. So, so take that term business model and translate it for our audience, which are CEOs, mid-market business owners, presidents, senior executives. From your perspective, when you work with your clients on business model generation and modification, what do they learn the business model is for them? So in simple terms, what is a business model? Well, a business model starts with what you call a value proposition, and that's just a fancy word for saying what job are you solving for the customer? What need are you are you helping them with? What, what gain do you bring or what pain do you take away by serving them? And once you understand that, the next question to ask is, but are we different? So... You know, you've got to, it's important, differentiation is important, but it's only important if it's important to the customer. That's when differentiation uh, really matters. So the thing about business models, if you start talking, if you get people talking, what I have found is that there's a lot of uh, miscommunication. And so what we do is uh, we use, we try to give people a common framework to talk about it. And uh, 
the framework I use, there are lots of business models out there, but the one that's as good and, and certainly um, I think uh, works real well is one that uh, Alexander Osterwalder uh, writes about in his book, Business Model Generation, where basically there's nine building blocks. It starts with the value proposition. Then there's a couple building blocks around the customer, a couple building blocks called the profit model around revenue and expenses. And then finally, your infrastructure, that is to say, what key activities must you perform to deliver that value proposition? What resources must you have? So resources can be anything from uh, creative uh, talent. If you're an ad agency, it can be machinery. It can be patents. What is those configurations? And just like diagramming a sentence, we find if we can help people plot these things out on a board in terms of what do you have today, then you can start to think about what might you have if you were to change one or two building blocks and go to some new areas. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I guess um, my follow-up thought is, so then your work with clients is more than looking at a business model as represented by an income statement or some financial model. You're actually looking at building blocks and elements that are a more holistic look at, at, at the business, not only what they do, but how they deliver what they do. Yes, exactly. So just to try to underline the importance of business models, let me story, and that is that you know, in 1958, a guy named Chester Carlson invented the modern-day Xerox machine or the copy machine. And, you know, at that time, you know, you had mimeographs going on. And uh, the funny thing was they took it to consultants, and the consultants said, this will never sell. It's way too expensive. Even though it's a great technology, it's just way too expensive. Well, they went back and they thought about it and actually came up with the uh, idea of leasing it. So they put it in a company for, say, $100 a month, and then they charge uh, two cents a copy. And, uh, of course, the rest is history. Millions of trees have laid down their lives in the service of the copy machine. So they overcame uh, basically the problem of it being too expensive with a different kind of business model. And what's interesting about that is if you sort of fast forward to the uh, to the age of the Internet, and you think about Sergey Brin and, and, and Larry Page, the founders of Google, when they invented Google, they had the exact opposite problem. Their product was too cheap, and it was free. And so they initially had uh, ideas of selling subscriptions to businesses to, to use their search engine. And obviously, that's not what they ended up doing. They thought about the business model and came up with what we know today as contextualized you know, ad search, which is now, uh, I believe it's a $36 billion uh, business. So in each case, I tell you the story because in one case, product too cheap, another case, service too expensive. The business model trumped the technology that was out there, and that's why it's important to think about your business model. Another kind of interesting example I, I came across recently was if you think about the, the old bus transportation between cities, you know, when I grew up, um, Greyhound was in its heyday, and they had commercials on TV, you know, leave the driving to us. But as airline travel became more democratized and people started using it, bus travel kind of developed this uh, second-class stigma. And pretty soon it was, if you, I don't know about where you grew up, and where I grew up, uh, the downtown bus depot wasn't the place you'd drop your sister off on her way to college. So it sort of became a second-class mode of transportation. And yet, if you fast forward to today, 
you know, with the hassles of airline security and so forth, lines at airports, the two to four hundred mile trip that's kind of too far to drive, but it's it's too close to fly, is kind of a niche that's out there. Um, Coach USA is in the bus business. They were in the intercity bus business in between cities. And they, they looked at this problem. They said, well, what does the customer need? What could we do different? And they came up with a totally different business model. In their business model, they created a brand called Megabus. And Megabus started in the eastern hub cities of you know New York, Boston. And so they would go from, say, New York to um, you know, uh, Philadelphia, or they would go from um, Cleveland, Ohio to Columbus, Ohio, those kind of distances. And what happened was they said to themselves, well, how can we get our costs down? Well, one of the things they did was they abandoned bus depots. They said, wait a second, we don't have to rent bus depots and have office staff in every depot. So they sell their tickets online. People show up at a bus corner where there's a sign. They get on the bus. But then they said, what if we put Wi-Fi on the bus so that people, while they're traveling, now are productive again? And what they found was that they attracted new customer segments, which is one of those building blocks I talked about that we look at. So before, unaccompanied women, for example, were, were not part of the bus traveling mix. Well, now that's a big segment for them. And because of the Wi-Fi, they serve the um, digitally connected. But now they're also starting to get what we call the silver surfers, retirees that are looking to just get from one place to another, maybe don't have a driver's license, or maybe don't have a car. And uh, here's a quick, efficient way. The other little twist that's kind of clever is that they sell their tickets online, but the first ticket always goes for a dollar. So they create a little urgency and buzz. And because of their buzz, they don't do any advertising. In 2010, they did over 110 million, added 270 people. So here's an industry you would think of as sort of in the backwater that's uh, found a way forward by changing its business model. Lower costs, attracting new customer segments, you know, selling tickets online, and people show up actually most of the time with a smartphone phone and just get on that way. I have a few more questions that I'd like to get your insight on. We're going to take our third and final sponsorship break. When we come back, I want you to address for our audience whose responsibility it is within a company to determine the appropriate business model for that company. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Kreckel, founder of Full Sail Strategies, expert on business model development and implementation, will be back with us. But first, let's spend a few minutes with our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast, our third show in the week in this Critical Mass radio show series on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. We have our Critical Mass radio show featuring insights and advice from business leaders predominantly in Southern California. On Wednesdays at 4 o'clock, it's Critical Mass nonprofit show featuring worthy nonprofits talking about their mission, their vision, and the communities that they serve. Again, predominantly focused here in Southern California. And then on Thursdays at 3 p.m., it is our national show, Critical Mass Coast to Coast. All shows can be heard live here on octalkradio.net. You know, Tom, it's been my experience out here on the West Coast that the recession has caused many a business to reconsider their business performance. You would probably look at it as a business model challenge. So share with us from your experience working with companies, whose responsibility is it within the firm for business model generation? Well, nominally, it's the leader that has to lead it. But the best way for business model development to be done is with the whole leadership team and and all the stakeholders that you can get at the table. So by that I mean the process that we typically use is a brainstorming process where we use uh, a large board and we put up the the nine building blocks we've talked about, uh, customer segments and the channels you reach them and then the, uh, uh, the cost piece and the revenue model. And we start to say, well, what if? What and I think it really starts with, you know, thinking about what jobs do we currently do for people in a generic sense, and then what could we do for them? What are the match between our competencies, our core competencies, and jobs that need doing? Who's, so whose responsibility? Clearly the leader, but it won't, you know, what you need is collaborative thinking, and you need uh, the contributions of more than one person in the organization because, you know, everybody's got a little different look at that beach ball that you've got your core business. It's, so the, the guy in production sees it as a red ball and you see it as a blue ball and I see it as, as a green ball. So we all have a, a, a different look at what we're doing and it's important to bring everybody to the, to the group to contribute. Uh, and that's where it works best. But that is such a powerful answer so I kind of want to come back to that because I, mm-hmm. y- you answered it as um, I imagined an expert would we always the CEO president owner's responsibility finally especially for something as strategically critical as your business model but ultimately regardless if you have 10 people in your company or a thousand especially with the practices you constructed using business model generation it really requires a holistic approach from the executive level or the management team or the supervisors because it touches every aspect of the business that's right Sometimes, when I think about you know new business models, I think sometimes what you have to look for is things that maybe don't fit your current organization, and that can be a stretch at first. So the first place to look is not necessarily for totally new business models, but to ask yourself, are there any adjacencies? For example, you have your core business, which is obviously a fit with your existing organization, and you're serving your existing customers. So the first place to go is to say, what new or existing customers might we serve in a fundamentally different way? Then, if you exhaust those possibilities, then start looking for things that are outside of, you know, the fundamentally uh, different way and, and looking for totally new ways. But then there's 
for example, I, uh, there's a recent case uh, that's going on this year um, in the shaving industry that maybe gives a good example of, of how a business model can change an industry, and that is you know, Gillette, which is known for one of the one of the most famous business models, which is the razor blade model, right? And the razor blade model is you give away the item or the, and then you make money on the disposable. So you give away the razor, you make money on the disposable razor blades. Same thing that uh, HP does with color inkjet printers, if you've ever had to replace uh, cartridges. So the problem is there's almost a backlash going on right now in terms of the cost of razor blades. You know, they're getting expensive. <laughs> if you've ever gone to, you know, when you go into to Walmart even to buy them, uh, you know, $15 for a pack. So a company called Dollar Shave Club this year is, is making inroads, and what they said was we can't go after uh, Gillette, which has 66% market share in the United States, and then there's Schick, and then there's Bic. You know, together those guys have all the shelf space, space tied up in the retail stores. They have huge, massive marketing budgets. And what they did is Dollar Shave Club is using a subscription model so just like Netflix, you subscribe on a monthly basis, and they deliver blades to your home. What they've done is totally gone around, and they're using a viral video that's been pretty successful to uh, to grow this thing. But it's an example of asking, well, so what value proposition are we going to bring? And in this case, it was a little bit, well, I want a good quality razor blade cheap. But in turn, uh, they're tapping into that sort of... Uh, uh, feeling that um, you know, customers feel like they're they're liberating themselves from the brand name uh, slavery, if you will. So here's the application of a subscription model to what you think of as just a consumable product normally found in a Walgreens or uh, Albertsons. So are these creative business models the domain only of entrepreneurs and startup? Or, in your experience, can long-standing existing firms be able to, with the right leadership and management team, reinvent a business model that revitalizes their business? Mm -hmm. Well, one good example of that would be Hilti, which is a tool company based in Liechtenstein, uh, but they're all over the United States. What was happening to them was that uh, the price of tools was going down, and Hilti's a premium brand. Uh, but the price of tools was going down, and they were becoming a commodity. What they did is they, they went out and they, they took a look at their customers, and they found that um, at a lot of construction site, sites, it was a real pain in the, uh, just a, a real hard thing for construction managers to keep track of tools because even though uh, tools were, were becoming almost disposable and guys would leave them out in the rain, they were treating them as disposables, if a tool goes down and construction stops because something isn't uh, working, you know, it can cost a lot of money. So making sure that tools are on-site, properly inventoried, and, and we can get a repair if something breaks quickly is kind of their need. What Hilti did was they, they totally reinvented their company. They said, we're going to stop selling tools. What we're going to do is we're going to go into tool management, fleet management. You're going to pay a, a subscription fee, a monthly fee to us, and we're going to have on your site whatever tools you need, and we're going to guarantee that we've got replacements for you. So they basically solved a pain of construction companies, which was the construction managers having to keep track of tools. And, and after all, construction companies don't need to own the tool. They need the use of the tool, right? So they were able to lower the contractor's 
our cash flow. Uh, now, what that meant for them is they had to build an IT structure, a very robust IT structure, to keep track of everybody's tools and also be able to charge them. And they had to change the way they sell, and they had to keep more inventory on their books. But it made them into a company which no longer was commoditized out of business and, and no longer was just competing on a price basis. So there's an example of a long-time company, larger company, that was able to transition pretty smartly into a whole new way of doing business. So final question before I ask you for your website. A range of people are listening to this program today live or in the future as a podcast, a rebroadcast of Critical Mass Coast to Coast. If someone's out there listening to this and they say, man, I'd like... I'd like to work with someone like Tom Crackle. Help us to understand what kind of companies, what market, you know, size firms. Where is your wheelhouse as far as the type of companies that you're working with and helping with their business model generation? Actually, although you would think it's it's newer companies uh, that are startups, it's t- tends to be more companies that are in the uh, twenty to one hundred and fifty million dollar space. Owner managed companies typically that may not have resources of a, of a large public company, but yet see adjacencies they want to attack and see the need for changing their model in some manner. Usually, it's not just one thing. It isn't just the cost piece. It's the interaction of the elements that they need to change, or they need to change three or four of them at once to be able to attack a new market. So that would be, roughly speaking, the kinds of people that uh, we're seeing that are you know, due to technology or changing consumer habits, um, just needing to find new revenue sources. So it sounds like also, Tom, from your answer, that it just doesn't have to be a business that's under pressure because the business model isn't returning the level of growth they had expected. It may be that they are looking to add to growth to the current business by looking at adjacent markets, et cetera. So it's just not a business owner that's feeling under pressure because the model isn't working. It yes. may be also businesses who want to grow faster than their current maybe market addresses allowing them to grow. Yes, and sometimes what they have to do is sometimes they're able to do that organically, internally, and sometimes they've got to sort of spin it off uh, as, a, as a, a separate division because to some extent we often see cannibalization of this new thing eating up the old thing. And So if you give them independence and give them a little uh, – you know, sunshine and uh, water, they tend to grow faster than if you uh, in the dark uh, in some skunk works in your company. And I have to believe by bringing in an expert from the outside, you're accelerating their process to get to the point where they have an up-and-running business model that's generating results for them, too. I have to believe a fresh set of eyes with a lot of experience is highly valuable for these companies who want to make these changes. Well, and it's often that we don't have the answer, but we try to ask the right questions or get them to ask themselves the right questions because um, uh, it's the old, I'm too close to the forest to see the trees. And so sometimes it isn't that we have the answers, but it's, it's that we know how to get them to think about the business in a different way. We give them a language, we give them a process, and we help lead them through it in a facilitated, in a structured way. And it isn't always something, by the way, that happens in two days. It can take... You know, it can take months uh, of iteration, you know, to get from A to B. But that's that's how it's done, and that's typically the way it works. All right. So someone wants to learn more about Tom Kreckle, your organization, your people, the services that you provide, full sales strategies. How do they find you online? Well, our, it's full sale, as in sailboat, 
strategies. We talk about helping our business owners uh, chart a new course, and that's the best way to get a hold of us. Well, I really appreciate you giving of the time for our listening audience here today, Tom, on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Continued success helping other business owners grow and improve their business. Thank you for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Executive Forum's business community. Thank you, Rick. This is Rick Franzi hosting Critical Mass Coast to Coast on Thursday live. If you're listening to us in a rebroadcast, think about listening to us live on octalkradio.net. And if you are listening live, boy, are you in for a treat. Because if you stay around to the top of the hour, you'll get to hear excellent coaching insight from a master certified coach himself, Douglas Gefeller. I highly encourage all who are listening to me live today to stay around. I'd like to thank our producer, Pablo Roberts. I'd like to thank my marketing communications manager, Kelly Faltis. And I am your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to speak, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your company in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, coast to coast, only on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.